Earth and Psycor really are working with the shadows. This is too big. We can't allow President Clark to get a hold of a shadow ship. A few weeks ago, I was called into a new dig. They found another one of these things. Another one? Come on, there's three this week. Did I mention that my nose is on fire and that I have 15 wild badgers living in my trousers? Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who are continuing to get to know each other while re-watching one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And we're going to do a little recasting today. Yeah. I, I paused like we have a drop for recasting. I don't. We don't have a drop for recasting, do we? Well, it's... It's who are you casting for these roles? (laughs) 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 Yeah, so uh, there hasn't been a lot of reboot news. There was the the gathering of the League of Non-Aligned Podcasts like Mm -hmm. two months ago when there was the big internet push. JMS has tweeted like one since then saying like, hey, this was noticed Thank you. We out-trended the queen the day of her funeral, so I guess people care about Babylon 5. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then nothing. And it's just like, it's like, he tweeted, I want to say maybe three weeks ago from recording. So like a month ago, two months ago from Listen, that when there is news, he'll share it. Mm -hmm. But right now, nothing. Which just means stop bugging me, you guys. Yeah. I will say something when I know something. Please stop asking. Sure. We do have the announced Babylon 5 project that's coming out sometime this year in uh, 2023. Was it puppets? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still holding out for puppets. That every surviving cast member was a part of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is what what he said. We have no idea what it is. But we're going to continue our recasting like we're going to get a reboot here in a year or two. Yeah. We're aspirational on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Reach for the Always stars. Optimistic. So we got two roles we're going to recast today. We're going to talk about recasting Marcus and Zach. Mm-hmm. They're both kind of supporting characters. The way the plot works, and they're they're very different people, but it's very easy to see them fulfilling kind of similar roles with regards to plot movement. Sure based off of what they do they're just coming at it from very different sides Mm -hmm. and it's not a ton of roles that get a lot of i haven't read much or heard much about people comparing these two characters which is surprising to me given they're both effectively security officers for their respective groups yeah just very different sides of the coin yeah so i think it's fun to talk about them together because i don't hear that very often and i like things that are novel i suppose if there's like a billion d podcasts about this and my obstinance of listening to babylon 5 podcasts while we're recording is shooting me in the foot here feel free to tell me on our discord which you can join by finding it on facebook or emailing us for the link at whoareub5 at gmail.com i will accept my criticism there (laughs) nowhere else (laughs) but they're, they're two very interesting characters that are two very different sides of the same coin yeah so, so I'm curious fun. what you would want to see from your reboot and who you would want to see cast in either of these roles. Do you want to start? Who 
Yeah, who do you want to do first? Well, maybe let's do Marcus first because we've seen more of him recently and we're going to get some more of Zach in this episode. So we'll do him second. For Marcus, there's only one real person that came to mind Mm -hmm. immediately. And they are a little bit older than Marcus, but I'm going to cast my Zach a little bit younger. So in the reboot, we might trade off. Maybe some plots will move from one character to another Sure, okay. based off of that. I like the idea of Marcus, instead of being kind of the impetuous young ranger go-getter, being a bit more of a like wise kind of, I've been doing this for a while, maybe one of the first human rangers mm-hmm. okay. to mix it up a little. And when I think Marcus, I think of the actor that I confused him with for forever, oh, no. who he is not played by, which is Henry Ian Cusick. Okay. I've got to Google this name because it is not... Did you watch Lost? I did not, which okay, I Okay, he's Duncan in Lost. Okay. But yeah, Google a picture of him oh, and you'll yeah. go, oh, yes. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I understand now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, they, they look a lot alike, and Henry Yankuzik can do a little bit of action. He can do, We've seen that from him in his roles, and uh, I think he could bring a kind of fresh take to the character being the kind of like older, wiser, kind of like hardened ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, still quoting a very literary kind of uh, guy. Because that feeling, he can do the British accent really well. Yeah, I was going to say, I see in, um, in the Wikipedia here that he's Peruvian Scottish. So he's got to have yes. a delightful accent, even though I haven't heard him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that could be a lot of fun and I don't really have anything else to base that casting on besides I think that the actor would do a good job and damn, does he look like Marcus. Yeah, he sure does. Jason Carter. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I feel a little bit more justified in my also wanting to cast somebody who is very like Marcus. (laughs) I know we've gone a little bit wilder with some of our casting and, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, not been so stuck to kind of who the person is that we know mm-hmm. but i also had that i really wanted him to be british and so for mine it, again he's a little bit older he's 51 but i selected david tennant oh okay yeah i can see so that. if you especially if you google david tennant when he had his covid hair it's a little bit longer <laughs> it's not quite long enough like you know if we want to go full marcus it needs to be a little bit longer but he's also got the scruffy beard and, you know, it's really important to me that Marcus be a quippy kind of guy. And Oh, and Dave attended as the quippiest. He's the quippiest. He can do it. Uh, but he's also done, you know, he's done the doctor. So he's done that, like, wiser, more experienced thing, that mm-hmm. that vibe that you were going for. So yeah. you can get the best of a lot of worlds there. I feel a little bad about not going a little crazier with my casting and getting a little more diverse or out there with Marcus. But I, I just really think that David Tennant, has got the quips and that's what I want. All right. So no, I think that's excellent. I think David Tennant would, could do a really fun job with it. Yeah. I can see him doing the bit with the staff from last episode. Exactly. Yeah. Just spot on. No changes required. Just him having a blast doing Mm -hmm. that. I'd watch that. Gotta work that one in. Please guys. All right. So Zach Allen. Now the last one, I went for something where the actor reminded me uh, based off appearance. For this one, I'm going to go for the actor reminded me again, but not appearance at all. Okay. I guess maybe kind of a little. So when I think Zach Allen Mm -hmm. as a character, we need someone uh, maybe with like who's played a police officer or something. Mm -hmm, Sure. That kind of regard. 
box checked. When we look at the actor, Jeff Conaway, there's two things that pop up to mind. Mm -hmm. One, total fucking nerd fanboy who got on the show because of being a fan. And two is a history with musicals. <laughs> That's true, yes. <laughs> so when casting Zach Allen, I'm going to look to Barry Allen, the Flash's Grant Gustin, who is a total nerd, a total fanboy, and was on Glee for like three seasons. Okay, I'm Googling because, again, you've thrown a name at me that I don't quite know. God, who is he on Glee? Uh, he was one of the new kids. Oh, okay. I only watched- He came like, in on the later seasons. Yeah, I only watched the first couple of seasons. Uh, you did yourself a favor. <laughs> yeah, but he looks like he could be on Glee, just looking at this headshot. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he's played a cop? Barry Allen is technically a police officer. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the Flash. So going a bit younger with Zach- so, like I said, like, maybe we can flip a little bit of story if we need to, or at the very least some, like, character arc stuff. Mm -hmm. I think having a younger, more impressionable kind of young security officer kind of fits in better with the Nightwatch stuff. Mm -hmm. At least it's a different take on it. History has shown us that that is not the case when it comes to accepting fascist propaganda. But hey, you know, <laughs> we can... We can pretend. So, yeah, I think Grant Gustin could do an interesting take on that. Okay. And I'd definitely watch it. Yeah, it's a good look. I like it. I decided to lean into my imagination a little more for my Zach Allen casting. So, you know, when we did Garibaldi, I selected Tig Notaro, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I leaned kind of into that vibe. And I thought, who gives me that kind of feeling uh, is a little more comedic that I could see in this sort of everyman role. Because to me, that's what Zach is. He's the everyman, right? He's mm -hmm. the one who we would more likely be if we were in the Babylon 5 universe, more of a, a every person sort of character. And I thought about Fortune Feimster. I don't know this name. So she's a stand-up comedian, has a Netflix special, I believe. And I've seen the work around on, on Facebook, lots of Facebook videos. And then also she was in Is It Cake on Netflix. <laughs> I, 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 I have seen Is It Cake. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what I recognized uh, her from. Yeah, if you look at, she's in that first episode, I believe, of Is It Cake. But I feel like I can see her in a cop's uniform. I can see her doing <laughs> the jacket bit, you know. About this jacket yeah. doesn't fit. And, you know, doing kind of a a playing dumb, going along with the flow of the universe around, you know, long enough for us to get a good Nightwatch plot out of out of her. And it really, w she would also be great with Tig, I think. <laughs> yeah. They would really. That'd be fun. Really be a fun duo to be our space cops, <laughs> I think. So. I would I would watch that for sure. In fact, I don't they don't need a Babylon 5 recast or spin-off or remake or whatever. Just have the two of them be space cops for mm -hmm. me. Just make it happen, HBO. Let's just build a series around these two as space cops. Right? Please. I'm here for it. Yeah. That's that that'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've All put right. together some bang up cast. Just like we've got a bang up episode ahead of us, season three, episode eight, messages from Earth. So a couple of notes before we get uh, started. JMS considers this the perfect episode of Babylon 5. This is the bar right here. Like, 
if you can do better than this episode, you're fucking fantastic. This is it. This is this is what we want to do every time. This is the goal. That's interesting. This is the the gold standard. Because I definitely know that we have some episodes coming up that I feel that way about those episodes. <laughs> yes. Well, this is the first of a three-parter. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was considered as such by most people in the production. It's not a straight to be continued, but this and the two episodes following are a one-story arc that marks the midpoint of the story of Babylon 5. Yeah. We're coming up at the halfway point of season three. It was planned to be five seasons. This would be it. Mm -hmm. And it's treated as such, and it's given the kind of breathing room and respect you would see entailed from knowing that this is the middle point of the wide arc. Yeah, and I think we talked off pod last week about it's a little sad when you think about it, that here we are at the midpoint of the story. And yes, it gets five seasons, but they didn't know they were getting five seasons. So at one point, parts of the story feel a little bit rushed after here. For sure. Yeah. So if you're unaware, listener, season, what the plan for seasons four and five were were combined into just season four due to network drama with P10 no longer existing. Mm -hmm. And the show, effectively feeling like it was not going to get a fifth season, ended up getting a fifth season. TNT rescued the show last minute. It was a whole thing. They were all at a convention when they found out, and they literally rolled out contracts to actors drunk at 2 a.m., which was super not cool, and why we lost Claudia Christensen, because she's all like, I don't care what it is. I'm not doing this. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm drunk. Why are you pulling a contract out at 2 a.m.? Mm-hmm. This is fucking shady. Yeah. So more power to her. We miss her in season five, but that's a topic for 50 episodes from now. So we've had about 60 episodes of TV. This is the midpoint. He was expecting effectively another 60 episodes to wrap up the story. He ended up with 30, and he didn't know he was going to be there until 10 episodes from now. Yeah. So season four is crazy. For a number of reasons, this being probably the biggest one. Because this was it. This was the halfway point. This was supposed to be the middle of the story. Yeah. And because of how it all turned out, it just accelerates at a different pace. And we don't get to spend three episodes doing a single thing like this does. Yeah. But these three episodes are fantastic. We open on the mess hall with Sheridan Ivanova clearly having a more military background compared to Garibaldi's complaining. Yeah having to eat the same thing for breakfast every day for the last three years. And they show us some pictures of this like blue goo. Yeah. I take exception it is, uh, to blueberry this. Blueberry yogurt. Oh, it's blueberry yogurt. <laughs> but it's blueberry it's blueberry yogurt. It was just funny and I don't know if they colored it or something to make it look less appetizing, but it's it's just blue. Yeah, sure. I take exception to this though, because I feel like we've had at least a couple of episodes where we've seen them eating breakfast. And it wasn't yeah. the same blue goop every time. You know, there's a breakfast there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, show. I see you. There's some new Nightwatch propaganda up on the walls they don't talk about, by the way, in this scene. Oh, yeah. Do tell. Oh, that that's just, it's hard to read even in the remaster. Oh, okay. It's just like, if you see something, say something. Just in the mess hall now, which is of note given this episode and how it happens at the end of it. Yeah, sure. But while they're complaining about this, Susan gets delivered a very fancy breakfast courtesy of Marcus. Mm-hmm. We see a nice little handwritten letter addressed to her and everything. Well, she did give him roses. She did give him roses. <laughs> and she got him an identicard so that he can, like, use the station facilities. I don't know why I assumed this was, like, bathroom r- privileges. 
or something weird. <laughs> like maybe the gym yeah. or something like. <laughs> I assumed it was a fake ID. She got him a fake ID. I believe it is yeah, a fake ID. I mean, yeah. Which just, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he got her a fancy breakfast, bacon and eggs. Oh, yeah, real eggs. Garibaldi's pissed. Yeah, and this is where we find out that Sheridan likes to watch. Uh, don't mind us. We'll just sit right here and watch. <laughs> is it where we find out? We've we've talked, we've theorized about Sh- uh, Sheridan's yeah, true. bedroom life a couple of times at this well, point. Well, let's just chalk that up in the, in the column, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put a note for Lanier. He'll he'll want to know that. Uh-huh. She decides to reward him for this glorious uh, breakfast with death. Mm. After breakfast, though, she's gonna she's gonna eat her breakfast and then she can find him. She's gonna kill Classic him. Classic Ivanova gift. Yes, but we cut to to Marcus. We hard cut to Marcus, yeah. and he's in down below with a mysterious woman, and they're mm-hmm. trying to flee from some people, bad people. I yeah. would assume. We get a fun fight scene here. Yeah, we get some of those excellent Marcus martial arts. He's using a staff to fight people with nunchucks. Uh-huh. Laura, have you ever have you ever used a staff to try to fight someone with nunchucks before? You know, I've never used a staff to fight anyone. I've pretend fought with a piece of PVC pipe that was laying around my house when I was a child, okay. pretending to be Marcus, actually. <laughs> I've done that too, and I've actually done a, a bit of staff fighting uh-huh. over the years. But never against anyone with nunchucks. It seems completely ridiculous. It seems like it would be very hard, yes. Or m- maybe harder for the person with the nunchucks, really. 100% harder for the person with nunchucks. Nunchucks are a notoriously difficult weapon. Yeah. They're, of all the weapons, why would you ever pick nunchucks? If you offered literally anything, I would rather take two sticks not attached on a chain uh-huh. than I would nunchucks. <laughs> if you encounter the street Personally. fighter with nunchucks, you know that they've been working at it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what Bruce Lee made it look so easy that everyone was all like, oh, nunchucks are a great weapon. And he's all like, no, Bruce Lee was just that fucking good Mm -hmm. to make them look effective. Yeah. So maybe not those guys. Anyways, (laughs) Marcus may or may not have failed in his objective to theme. Yeah. Is she breathing? We don't know. We don't know. But we come back to not this immediately. We come back to ISN talking about sedition, outside evils, Mm -hmm. and how... Everyone's going to have to prepare for some extreme measures. Yeah. Oh, good. Just what we wanted. We cut over to Med Lab, where the currently unknown escapee is uh, being treated. Looks like she'll be okay. Yeah. While Jakar gets a visit from Garibaldi. Good to see him. He looks healthy. He looks well. He does. Yeah. Other prisoners are petitioning to stop the perceived torture of Jakar. He was singing. and. <laughs> He isn't that bad. We've heard him sing. It's not that yeah, bad. Yeah, he's quite delightful. That's very rude. <laughs> this is very rude. A true artist is never appreciated in his own time. Garibaldi's trying to read the Book of Jaquan, but he's having a hard time because he doesn't read Narn. I'm surprised that Garibaldi is even attempting to read Narn. Pleasantly. Pleasantly well, surprised. He's trying. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's effectively learning to read Narn by reading the book. Uh-huh. In Jakarik, it's kind of like, you can't translate it. That's It has to be read in the original. It's just like, okay, well, then you can't learn to read with, Narn with this because you literally would have to translate it to learn how to read it in the first place. Uh-huh. So I guess maybe if you like read a passage, read a line, translate the line or a couple of the words, figure it out. Kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't know like how you do this without offending Jakar effectively. Yeah, but considering Garibaldi has been the guy 
actively mispronouncing ethnic names in this show. Yeah. It's very impressive that he's attempting to do this for his friend. <laughs> so good, good try. Yep. Before we leave Jakar's cell, he notes that he's begun writing his own book. Yeah, the book of Jakar. <laughs> the book of Jakar as it will become to be known. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he hopes to have it done during the term of his pr- imprisonment. 60 days. That's not very long, my dude. I mean, that's twice a NaNoWriMo, so. Yeah, that's true. It's not like you got a whole lot else going on. It's that and the prison gym. Yeah. Probably for Jakar. And the singing. And the singing. But oh, hey, that package has arrived. That was alluded to last yeah, week. That's a person. It's this person. Yep. It's Dr. Mary Kirkish. Garibaldi recounts a story from the Babylon 5 comics. Okay. That was where I was doing a little bit of research before this episode. Because oh, okay. when this plot started rolling, as my husband and mm-hmm. I are watching, I was like, has this been mentioned in the show yet? No. Yeah. Okay. I feel better now. <laughs> It hasn't. No, this is all from, I want to say, issue eight of the Babylon 5 comics, if I'm remembering what I read earlier today mm-hmm. properly. Yeah, so this story was told by, from Garibaldi's perspective there, where he sees the shadow ship leave and finds the uh, Psychor emblem, yeah. as we see in a little bit. And apparently Sinclair was with him the whole time for this little adventure. He mentions that. But we get Dr. Kirkish's side of things. Dr. Kirkish, of course, is uh, played by Knoxville Film Festival Award winner Nancy Stafford. Everyone knew that, right? (laughs) Sure. Knoxville Film Festival Award. Yeah, I I follow the Knoxville. Best best narrative feature, Damaged Goods. Yeah, I I thought everyone follows the Knoxville Film Festival, I thought. Very closely, yeah. Yeah, every year. (laughs) She's in like over half of Matlock. Saint Elsewhere okay. she was in. She she did a stint in Scandal recently. So she's been in a ton of stuff, if you recognize her from not her award-winning film, Damaged Goods from the Knoxville Film Festival. Well, she's still working, I guess, if she was on Scandal. That's pretty recent. So good job. Good for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she won that award in 2018. So Very nice. Did I sell how ridiculous that was enough? You did. You did. <laughs> okay, just checking. So Mary's side of things is... That she was working for interplanetary expeditions. We're getting a Mm -hmm. a drop from them again. And they had found some sort of artifact on Mars. And she was helping. Buried for a thousand years. A thousand years. Key key, uh, words there. And Mm -hmm. they were helping excavate this piece of technology on Mars. Well, they get told by higher ups at some point that they are to evacuate the area leave and they can just sit basically in their bunker and watch and see what's happening as they're watching and they're waiting they see another vessel just like the one they've been digging up show up in the sky and they think it's there to destroy the vessel that they are trying to get out of the ground but yeah she realizes that it is actually digging it up with its weapon Mm -hmm. systems excavating it yes so it finishes the excavation and pulls this other ship away. She, they hear a scream. She mentions that. Well, the ship gets piloted, I think. Oh, does it? Okay. Is what's unsaid. Yeah. Yeah. Because the ship seems to be flying of its own accord. Okay. Okay. Away. So I would assume that. And there's also some downtime. There's like 30 minutes in between them, the ship landing and then both ships taking off. Yeah. So it reactivates itself, basically. 
Yeah. And they hear the the scream in their mind and they both fly away. So Garibaldi's yeah. point of view. Yeah. Was, uh, Garibaldi uh, was in a shuttle on Mars with Sinclair when this all went down, saw the ships, had no idea what was going on, and then went to the site to see what was going on. I mean, your security guards probably going to check stuff out. And all he found was a Psycorp badge. It's a little little burned up Psycorp badge that he still has on him in this episode. Now, I, I think it's implied, given what we learn later in this episode about Shadow Ships having a single pilot. Mm-hmm. And us learning later in the show, spoilers, that those pilots are telepaths. Mm-hmm. That the ship was piloted by someone from Psycor. Like the ship that was reactivated, someone from Psycor took over and that's why the batch was left behind yeah and basically once they had gotten so far in their excavation interplanetary expeditions had at some point it came to mr morden's attention and they called for another shadow ship to help get this thing out so yep i do think it's interesting by the Mm -hmm. way to completely change the topic for a moment Mm -hmm. that we know that the last shadow war was a thousand years ago Right? Yeah. We know that's that been the mentioned. shadows were on the vicinity of Earth if they were on Mars mm-hmm. during that time. You know what else was happening a thousand years ago from them, 800 years ago from us? In the 1260s? Mm-hmm. It was the Dark Ages. Yeah. <laughs> Just a ton of lost history. Yeah. I was sitting here going, was that um, about the time of the plague? Uh, when was the plague? The bubonic plague. I think I'm... it was a little bit later, but maybe not that much later. Because that'd be a fun virus tie-in. 1346 to 1353 was when the plague was running around Western Eurasia and North Africa, okay, so per Wikipedia. Not quite, not quite. And I think in our Psychor book, that's when we found out that the Vorlon ship had been put on, put around Venus, too. Something like that. Uh, so, yeah. The Black Plague would have been... About 100 years after. Okay. Well, maybe they left some weapons behind. We know they're not above that, right? I don't know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it just, it'd be interesting. Just like, given how little is known about, you know, there's like, it's famously a period of non non-history, right? Like, we don't know a ton about what was going on. And we know that at the same time, the shadows were on Narn. Yeah. Fucking things up there. Also fucking their system um, up, yeah. And... Also taking Narns to be used as foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible they were doing the same with humans Yeah, at this time. Could be. That could be why history is what it is. Interesting overlap. So all of this to say that, you know, Mary Kirkish's story and Garibaldi's story are important, relevant, especially now, because it, one of these other ships has also been found on Ganymede. Yeah, just recently. Big deal. Yeah. And so I believe Interplanetary Expeditions is also digging this one out. Dr. Kirkish is basically like, they're going to kill me now. So it's been fun, but I had to sell someone. Mm-hmm. And Delenn's all like, got you, bro. She's getting written off to Mimbar. Yep, written off to Mimbar. Very short-lived. Well, Veer seems to like it there, so it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, she could hang out with Veer and Sinclair on Mimbar. Yeah. And it's like immediately too. Lanier's all like, we're leaving for Mimbar now. Yeah. <laughs> He's very gracious. He like helps her out of her chair and takes her off. And yeah. that's it for her on this episode and the show. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan is shook because the implication here is that Earth, Gov, and Psychor are both working with the shadows. Yeah. If that ship got called, 
we know Mr. Morton's voice was in the other video. Like we we've mm-hmm. got some uh, pretty damning evidence at this point. Yep. Over at security, we see Zach informed of a night watch meeting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. A unnamed security dude who I've been calling in my head, Officer Alex Jones. Yeah. Makes me yell a cab. Uh-huh. As we cut to Sheridan taking off his Earth Force badge all dramatic like while looking out into space. Mm-hmm. He tells Delenn he's going to do the thing and he's got to tell the others. Yeah. He's going to put on the civilian clothes of possible mutiny, I guess. The civilian clothes of possible mutiny. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> um, plan is to take the White Star to Ganymede and just fucking destroy that shadow ship before it has a chance to fall into President Clark's hands. Yeah, no one knows what the White Star is still. Like, we'd, mm-hmm. we haven't shown it to Earth yet. They don't know that it's a pseudo-Earth Minbari ship. They'll just think that we're some unknown, and as long as we don't get mm-hmm. caught, we can take this thing out. So it's not a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, there are some concerns. Uh, he is asked if he's willing to fire on Earth ships. Yeah. He asks what will happen if he is captured, and he doesn't answer one. He doesn't answer if he'll fire on an Earth ship. Because he doesn't know. But he's like, well, they're not taking me alive. So sure. <laughs> I'm not worried about that shit. Sure. If I got to <laughs> blow this thing up, they're not getting me alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We will destroy this ship before we let that happen. And Linear is just looking on like, okay. <laughs> All these dutiful Minbari are just going to sign up to get killed by an Earther. Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yep. He puts on <laughs> he puts on his civilian close of possible mutiny. And... <laughs> It's so good. And arranges the cover-up. His Star Fury will autopilot and self-destruct, and Franklin will be responsible for the biomass. Uh, Which is the other dead body, folks. (laughs) Yep. Franklin, you'll put a dead body in there and make sure it's believable. I guess he's going to go find some lurkers or something. I don't know. Oh, so dark. So dark. You can just ask Garibaldi. I'm sure he knows of someone. Yeah. He'll find you something. Uh, no big deal. Uh, we see see Sheridan contemplative on the bridge. Well, we go to Nightwatch, who confirms, we know for a fact now, everyone who laugh reacted President Clark's Kofifi tweet is, in fact, a traitor. Yeah, that joke's going to stay for a while. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Been, sa- been sitting on that one for a while. <laughs> yeah, so we get... You know, we're told there's all kinds of people, senators, high-ranking military officers, the fake news media, even members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You know, Officer Alex Jones tells us how it is. The lists are being drawn up already. Mm -hmm. Now we just need the evidence before we go for the arrest. Mm -hmm. We start the march tomorrow on January 6th. (laughs) Yeah, so also, while they're going over this, somebody notes that the captain is missing yeah he's just been gone anyone know where he's at that's weird yeah i'm wondering how how they have such close tabs on the captain when it's a station of half a million humans and aliens but (laughs) you can't just take a couple days off you guys it's not okay right maybe he's on vacation you don't write his pto schedule you're not his supervisor (laughs) yeah lanier tells sheridan to go the fuck to sleep he sees the Mimbari beds and he keeps sliding down. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a And I know the scene is like super heartfelt mm-hmm. and cute and adorable and heartwarming and talking about his dad and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just laughing because he just keeps 
sliding. Yeah. Like, he's just got no chance. Well, you gotta have a little physical comedy in this show sometimes. Delenn tells us the Mimbari consider sleeping horizontal to be inviting death. Yeah, I mean, if you're someone who has sleep apnea and snores a lot, I think that that might be true. <laughs> just You think that's just a problem for all Mimbari? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Something about the bone ridges. Exactly. They just all have sleep apnea. Yeah. It's either this or a species attached to CPAP machines. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we all just sit up a little bit. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, culturally, that makes sense. It's nice to see that Delenn also has a subscription to the Calm app, and she can just put on the thunderstorm whenever she wants. That's how I've been sleeping lately. Yeah, just like, hey, Alexa, play rain sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give myself a good two <laughs> two hours of rain, get, get right to sleep. I definitely am a big fan of white noise from my smart speaker. Yeah. That That is an every night thing. I stayed with someone who had a railway in running through their backyard uh-huh. and it was going all the time. And I started using white noise then and I have never stopped since. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. So he finally gets some rest is the point. Meanwhile, Marcus provokes Ivanova into actually responding. And as she does, yeah. uh, she does just about everything. She's mad at, Absolutely everything right now. Every single circumstance in her life seems to be just outside of her control. Mm-hmm. And it is very frustrating for her. Once the pressure valve opens, it doesn't shut off until it's empty. Yeah. And she just kind of goes for a minute. You know, at least she knows what's bugging her and she can admit it. That's mm-hmm. the first step. That's the yeah. first step to dealing with it. For sure. You know, she's she's confused about Marcus. She's confused about... Probably how she feels about Marcus, to be perfectly honest, for things that aren't said. But confused about his place, you know, she's a very rigid, military-minded person, Mm -hmm. and Marcus exists outside of that structure, and that's something that bothers her. Yeah, he's a little bit rogue. Roguish, if you will. I would would say so. Meanwhile, the White Star gates in at Jupiter. Uh, We get the casual drop that shadow ships merge with their single pilot, which is going to be very important. Plot point. Later in the series. Mm, yeah. Huh. <laughs> and very important for this episode as well. Yes. <laughs> yep. The shadow ship activates, destroys its enclosure, flies off the moon, and just starts blowing shit up. And Delenza like, oh, the ship didn't merge right. It's confused yeah. and on a murderous rampage now. Something is wrong. Shadow ships are known for their restraint. <laughs> <laughs> Something is very wrong with this one as far as we can tell. So the White Star engages the shadow ship. They manage to damage it and blow off one of those tendrils. Yeah. And then they fly into Jupiter's atmosphere and attempt to get it caught in the planet's gravity well, trying to outsmart them since they can't outgun them. Yeah, they mentioned that, you know, even though we blew a tendril off, like, this thing is still very high power and we cannot defeat it on our own. So we wind up flying into the planet in the atmosphere. Sheridan's asking about the specs on the car again during the test drive. Remind me to never let Sheridan drive my lease. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you can only imagine working at a dealership and this guy comes in. So is this car rated to stop it from 75 to zero in 45 feet? What? I No one would even <laughs> on the highway. <laughs> like, yep. That's essentially what he's doing here, because we're we're getting really close to the uh, gravity well and pulling back out when the shadow mm-hmm. ship cannot, and the shadow ship basically falls in and crumples into nothing. 
Yep. Uh, he's got a good strategy for testing the ship. He did it last time too. It's wait for the moment Lanier stops freaking out because he's given up and accepted death. That's when you, f- that's when you flip the switch. Yeah. This is the second time he's done it. It's the second time he's defeated a shadow ship with it. So pretty clear indicator of what's the line. Yeah. This is Sheridan's signature style here. So as they're attempting to leave Jupiter and get out of that atmosphere, an old friend shows up in the form of the EAS Agamemnon. Yeah, Sheridan's old ship. So not only does he have to decide whether or not he's going to fire on an Earth Alliance ship, it's his ship. It's his baby. He knows everyone on that crew. Yeah. Yeah. Every inch of that ship. So Sheridan finds out that he can't do it. He's not going to fire on the Mm -hmm. Agamemnon. And... Delenn and him hatch a crit another crazy plan to this time open a jump point in the atmosphere, which the Agamemnon would not be able to follow them through because it's not going to be stable. Yep. They manage to make it happen and they escape, thus doing more jumping antics with the White Star. Well, you, you put all that technology in there. You got to use it, man. Yep. Back on the station, we get an ISN report of events twisted for Clark with Earth victorious, but more security being needed for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There was this alien threat, and we absolutely crushed it. We're so good, humans. Also, though, we're really scared about this alien threat, so we need a ton more security to take care of it. Just don't question it. Yeah. Yeah. This is really bad, you guys, but we're great. (laughs) We're great. USA. You're great. USA. (laughs) USA. (laughs) USA. (laughs) Yeah, so at the same time, Zach is getting summoned back to Mr. Alex Jones, Nightwatch representative, and I guess they've decided that Sheridan disappearing for a little bit is a thing, and they want Zach to help investigate. Yeah, specifically, Garibaldi has to be complicit, so you're going to investigate Garibaldi while we investigate the captain. That's a big leap, but okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's... He's always in those meetings and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's true. Code 7R. So, yeah, yeah we kind of have a reason, I guess, to, to think that. Yeah, and Zach's even like, you would have brought me in on it months ago if I wasn't part of Nightwatch. He's like, ah, so there is something going on. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, he's openly committing mutiny, and <laughs> he's the one who gave the Clark, the President Clark tapes. Like, if you were to list off everything that were actually going on, he's preparing for an international war mm-hmm. with other alien races against this superior alien race that's about to come out of hibernation like if you were to just list it all right then he doesn't know any of it but if you were to just like blast it all out i feel like there's no way you could take him seriously yeah yeah that's... you go zach allen's a nut that's <laughs> the strategy you should take right just start spewing everything and it looks insane and then they're like oh well we'll leave this guy alone for a while <laughs> we'll get someone else to investigate garibaldi yeah yeah damn if only he knew more yeah so Marcus shows up at Ivanova's quarters. He did a school fair project. Yeah, he's got his little science fair poster. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. Trying to trying to make an org chart of yep, Babylon here's 5. Here's you at the heart of the station. I mean, obviously. And here's me. And here are my parents. <laughs> and here's where I put the, the vinegar in the volcano. <laughs> and... and here's my hypothesis about me mm-hmm. plus you. I know my calculus. Says you plus me equals us. (laughs) It equals us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he's just trying to make her laugh. Yeah. And he succeeds. Mm -hmm. 
Mission accomplished. As soon as she's laughing, he's all like, oh, well, I don't need this fucking sign anymore. <laughs> Bye. I'm out of the episode. <laughs> and then ISN broadcasts. Earth is now under martial law per Clark. And he's totally going to explain it in a closed session of the Senate tomorrow. Mm, not ominous at all. Nope. And scene. Credit. That's the episode. All right, Laura. How'd you feel about this one on a scale of Babylon 1 to 5? I mean, this is a fantastic episode. Do not get me wrong. It is. I do feel like it is weakened a tad by the Garibaldi plot not being mentioned in the show anywhere before this. You know, not plot, but Garibaldi history. And the fact that Garibaldi also saw this thing on Syria Planum. Yeah, he saw maybe a shadow ship. Yeah, and he was with Sinclair. And we had a whole season of him and Sinclair together where that's never mentioned at all. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you write comics in between seasons two and three. You don't have time to reference them until you're making season three episodes. Right, right. Uh, and it, for me, it was a little bit weaker because I'm sitting there with my husband who has never watched the show before. And mm -hmm. he's going, what? When did this happen? Where was this? Because, you know, he's not engaging yeah. in the supplementary media like, you know, we've read the book. He didn't read the book. And yeah. we don't have these comics either. So um, I mean, neither do I. I just read about it online earlier. Right. Today. Um, I'll just see, see if I can find him. I probably can. Yeah. Anyways, that's fair. I had originally wrote this down. Oh, you didn't put a number on it. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't think I can give it a five because of that. And also, I you know, mm -hmm. I kind of know what's coming and I know that there's some really good stuff that I'm looking forward to. So I would give this a four. Yeah. I think this is not the strongest it's going to be, even in this three episode arc. But it is very mm -hmm. good. I agree. I gave it a four and a half out of five. Okay. And... My reasoning is the half point off isn't even really anything to do particularly with this episode. It's for me having to stop watching and not being able to watch the next two so that we could record this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like you want to go all the way through. I want to watch the next two real bad. So, yeah, no, I love this episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I like this episode, too. It just coming mm -hmm. at it with a brand new person from, you know, we've been watching this pretty steadily together throughout the last year and whatever. And mm -hmm. there's this whole big thing that Garibaldi dumps on us that really could have been mentioned earlier. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That was that was a little jarring. That took me out of it for that first part of okay. the episode. But all the other stuff, you know, Sheridan's dilemmas, Zach Allen's setup, very good. And it's, it's a very good place setter, and I'm looking forward to the next two. Same. Which is season three, episode nine, Point of No Return. Mm -hmm. Sheridan clashes with Nightwatch when martial law is Im imposed on Babylon 5. A prophet reveals Londo's surprising future. Hey, you know who that prophet is? I can't wait. Listener, if you are unaware, the guest star of next episode is one Majel Barrett. Sci-fi royalty, if you will. Very excited for that. Uh, I think I, I remember really liking her portrayal and her character in this show. Yes. Yes. Uh, Very much engaging. more so than most of the Star Trek characters that were written for her that I have some kind of umbrage with for one reason or another. Most of them, most of those complaints being under development, to be absolutely clear. Uh -huh. um, not, not any fault of the actress. And I think I think she's this is a one off, right? We don't really see her again. I think so. I think it's a one-off on TV, but I think she's in 
they either mention her or she's in supplementary material. Mm-hmm. She shows, I think she shows up again, maybe in the comics. And I got to imagine, I haven't read it, but probably the Centauri trilogy of books as well. Yeah, when we get there. I think for if if it's the one-off I remember, it's a pretty rich character for one you see in one episode. So, yeah, very excited. I'm very excited too. And I'm also very excited to say thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme music. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And I'm excited to say thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our lovely podcast artwork. We'll go ahead and thank all of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you all. Go ahead and shoot us an email, whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. We'll read it in our next mailbag segment. Also, hop on our Discord, and you can just hang out with us there. We're talking. We got a couple of the other League of Nautilag podcasts in there talking sometimes. It's been a lot of fun. And I really enjoy the environment that the fan base has. And I don't participate a ton in it, but I read everything. Mm. And I really appreciate all of you. So thank you. Yeah. And an extra thank you to every one of you who has uh, left us a review somewhere. We had some really nice reviews on iTunes that we looked at the other day. And they made me cry a little. Yeah, they were very nice. Appreciate it. We really appreciate you. So thanks. Well, we'll see you next week, Internet. Take care. Bye. Bye.